That is full bodied. Rude, I'm on a diet. Hello and welcome to Great Culture, the podcast where three women drink wine, talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Alex. I'm Kim. And I'm Sam. Hope you enjoy the episode. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the Netflix series Queer Eye, why it has become so popular, what its place is in the current sort of um, movement of reality television and makeover shows, and also just how much we all really love it as a show. But before we get on to that, we have to talk about some wine. Kim, yours is already held up by your mouth waiting to be opened, so why don't you <laughs> why don't you tell us what you've got? I'm so ready. Um, so <laughs> weirdly kinky it was really kinky so i chose for this week um i think sam and i both have a barefoot wine um no we don't well bitch so this week i have a uh barefoot shiraz the reason that i chose this is because barefoot has a really good reputation and history of supporting um lgbtq and pride they've been doing it for over 25 years i think um they're actually the official wine of pride um they like i know that in america they have special uh rainbow um packaging and everything during the month of june which is great obviously i don't have one of those a because we're recording in july and b because we're in the uk and nothing fun ever comes here but um i still thought that it would be a good place to put our dollar. Um, We were originally all going to have barefoot and then we realised that no barefoot wines are vegan and um, Sam's trash and got a different wine just because she's fancy. I have a reason. (laughs) I know you do. I'm just being mean because I haven't had any wine yet and I'm cranky. Um, Yeah, so... Barefoot Shiraz, California. Tasting notes are full of jammy blackberry flavours and velvety smooth. Perfect while warming your feet by the fire. So I'm really looking forward to it on this 22 degree Celsius day. (laughs) Excellent. So I am going to explain why I don't have barefoot wine. And that is because I left it late to buy wine. I was very hungover. And when I went to the shop, the the wine aisle was fairly bare. And the only barefoot wine they had was Chardonnay. And I absolutely fucking refused. So that's why I don't have it. But what I do have is... Pink by Design by Graham Norton. Oh, oh I love amazing. that. I bought this for fairly obvious reasons, is that it's made by Graham Norton, or at least his name's on the fucking packaging. I doubt he may actually made it himself. Um, it with his bare And he is... <laughs> yeah. Just Graham Norton treading, treading grapes in... Oh, New Zealand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but obviously Graham Norton, fairly uh, well-known... Um, gay TV presenter and personality. Um, so yeah, that's why I got it. The tasting notes are some call it a perfect note. There's no word perfect there. I'm gonna try that again. <laughs> <laughs> some call it a summer picnic in a bottle. Rose is a perfect light, slightly sweet, and very fruity wine for a sunny day, or the perfect way to make any day feel sunny. And it has been quite a sunny, nice day today, so works, doesn't it? I'll allow it. Right, Alex, what have you got? So I have a red this week, which is not my usual (laughs) choice of tipple, especially, as Kim says, on a 22-degree afternoon. Um, 
But also, like Kim said, uh, barefoot wine, unfortunately, isn't vegan friendly. So I was standing in the aisles of Sainsbury's desperately trying to look for something that is uh, relevant uh, to Queer Eye in some way. Unfortunately, I also couldn't find any other uh, wines that were made by any uh, gay, gay winemakers or, you know, support uh, gay charities or anything uh, in the Isles of Sainsbury's. So I have got uh, Pinot Riot No Future purely because on the label there's loads of eyes for queer eye. <laughs> Um, also, the label is uh, very brightly coloured, like the rainbow. So I thought that gave a nod to it as well. Um, so I will so do tenuous. tasting notes. Ready yourself. I'm ready for the Pinot Riot, which will deliver an abundance of intense yet delicate flavours. That's a complete opposite thing. I don't think that makes sense. Uh, Tantalising <laughs> your senses. <laughs> Carefully crafted by winemaker Ben Jordan, this Pinot Noir displays layers of pure red berry flavours with hints of raspberry and wild strawberries. So there we go. Mine's quite metallic tasting. Mm. A bit like blood. <laughs> yeah. Mine's um, quite juicy. I've had um, barefoot wines before. I've had the Malbec, but I don't think I've ever had the Shiraz. They both have the same kind of thing where a lot of the flavour is is at the top. Like there's not a lot of depth to it, I think. Um, but we'll see how it goes. So Queer Eye. Um, Sam, how's um, yours? You didn't say how yours was. Oh, it's because it's fine. It's, <laughs> it's, fine. I've had, it's, not, it's not the first time I've had this wine. Um, it's a good level like it's a good level of rosé it's not like a white zinfandel where you're like oh my god i've just eaten an entire bag of sweets in one glass um but it's not really like dry so it's a nice middle ground so queer eye um i'm you know i, I assume that if you're listening to this episode you've you've probably seen it or at least know roughly what it is but for in case someone doesn't does anyone want to explain actually what queer eye is what it's about and what it does so uh, Queer Eye is a show based on Netflix. It was originally, um, there was an original show called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And this is a uh, more uh, present day retail. A is- reboot. <laughs> That's the word. This is, a, this is a 21st century reboot. This is a... Reboot for generation, whatever we are now. So as Kim said, it's a 21st century, uh, almost kind of makeover show, which is what the original was more based on. Um, there are five men, the Fab Five, who uh, work with a client to make them over both in a physical sense, um, but also in this modern retelling um internally as well they tend to kind of fix their problems analyze parts of their life um and also they also like they get a nice like makeover of their house or a space in which is really important to them or their job um and they also get to cook some really tasty food yeah so queer has been around for about three years there are five seasons of it at the moment um i think there is a sixth has either been recorded or um is in the offing um and it is 
proven to be massively, massively popular. Um, but this, like Alex has said with her retelling, this is a this is based on a show that was out in the um in the noughties originally. So about ten years before, maybe. I don't know when the original date was, but um yeah, that was called Queer I thought Eye it for the Straight Guy. 2003 was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, I think. All right, so f- 15 years then. Um, and that featured, it was the same sort of format, but there were a few differences, one of the main ones being the name. Um, so now it's called Queer Eye. There's no for the straight guy because they don't just make over heterosexual men. They make over a variety of people um, who they call their heroes. But did either of you ever watch the original show? I did. Not like religious, not religiously or anything, but I remember watching it a few times. But I never really enjoyed it that much. Like, I don't remember anything about it other than everything was very... um, I remember like how they remade some of the rooms or how it all looked and it all looked very sort of teak and, and green and and ikea e. it was very, very it naughty. was very yeah it was very noughties that's why i remember it being very very noughties i'd never even heard of it before queer eye came out so um queer eye as a standalone modern retelling is the only experience <laughs> i have of it yeah i never watched the original either i don't know why exactly it just it's interesting that they chose to remake it and to remake it in the way that they did because from what i understand um so they the each of the five uh presenters i guess you call them presenters but they're more than presenters um they each have a speciality and they are food um fashion in like design as in interior design um uh, grooming, uh, gro- grooming, grooming, and culture. And culture was the last one I was coming to because that's the one that's changed most. So they go into these people's lives and they advise them on how to sort of improve those areas. Um, because the original in the original show, the culture specialist whose name I don't know, the only person I know from the original show is Carson Cresley, and that's because he's on Drag Race. Um, but the original thing was it was about sort of theatre and music and um art and that sort of aspect of culture whereas on this one there was quite a deliberate shift which i think um we'll probably talk about later the the current culture specialist karamo was responsible for which is much more based around uh sort of personal attitude personal growth and um, wellness kind of the almost the psychology behind why people behave like they do and what's brought them to that point so that was a big change. As we said, the name was a change. Um, and the fact that they work with um, gay men, straight men, um, women, um, trans people, there's it's a real, it's not defined by people's sexuality, the people they work with. They just work with people who need help. How do you think this show stacks up against other sort of makeover shows and i use the word makeover but actually the way they refer to it and the way the producers refer to it is not a makeover it's a make better uh show is the way they describe it but yeah well how do you think it measures up against things like um alex you mentioned before we started recording stuff like um uh 10 years younger or um 100 percent oh god 100 percent harder or those got kind of- 
But, yeah. Oh yeah, how to look good naked, um, Trini and Susanna, Trini and whatever Susanna, they did. Yeah. Oh god, fucking Trini and Susanna. Awful. <laughs> Mind oh. you, these are all very these are all these are all British as well. These are all British. They're also though, all yeah. noughties. All except noughties, for yeah. except for hundred percent hotter, but it used to be called Snog Marry Avoid and it was very two thousand and eight. <laughs> But I anyway. suppose, you know, all all of these kind of makeover shows that we are talking about are completely focused on the external, aren't they? Um, also, all, apart from 100% Hotter, pretty much all women that are being made, made over mm. aesthetically. Um, and, yeah, I think that's kind of the difference is just the focus is completely external um, and people being made to uh appear uh more aesthetically pleasing to an outer yeah and to an outer to outer judgment as opposed to i feel like queer eye is you know we've spoken about karamo coming in and kind of working with the clients or heroes to fix certain aspects in their life that might be emotional or might be relationships um and they are we very much get the sense that they are left uh feeling more whole mm. and who they are i also think it's worth pointing out that like a lot of these other shows there's a genericness to it like there was some there was a lot of jokes uh, in, after the first season of of queer eye where they were kind of like, oh, well, Tan's going to put them in a padded shirt and give them a French tuck and that, and she's going to teach them how to make avocado and Bobby's going to paint their walls beige. But actually, if you watched, like, when you <laughs> watch the show, the the stylistic choices that they make and the approach that they make to every different aspect, whether it be, you know, grooming or, or fashion or culture, is very tailored to that person, the person that they're trying to help. And it doesn't... Um, it doesn't erase their personality in the way that I feel like shows like, um, oh God, what was that awful one? There was one that was called like The Swan, where they basically turned them all into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And the 100% hotter and everything, you'll get these people who have very personal or extreme looks that do not conform to the basic bitches of the world and it's it's deemed like you're hotter because you're no longer any kind of subversive subculture yeah or individual whereas i feel like queer eye doesn't do that queer eye doesn't doesn't just put everyone in like blue jeans and a three-quarter length top and shave their head and, and put on beige makeup and give them an Ikea bookcase and send them on their way. Like where they kind of, they didn't take away from you are someone who enjoys wearing bold color or you like hats or you like your big scraggly beard, but they just made it more personal. And there was that guy who had all his um, dad's clothes. And rather than being like, you have to chuck all this out and wear boring clothes. They were like, we're going to turn this into something that you can keep. And they turned it into a quilt and it made everyone cry. Um, and I just like, I like that. I like that there is a real, there is a structure to their shows, but there's not a formula. It's not, uh, tick this box, this box, this box. And now yeah. you are an acceptable human being. It is, it is drawing, even the external changes are drawing from within. 
but that I mean, it's interesting that we're saying uh, that this whole thing about queer eye focuses on both an internal and an external kind of transformation, um, because I think there has been a shift in the last maybe five. 10 in probably 10 maybe not so much but yeah definitely the last five years towards reality feel good reality tv that has a heart i'm not saying all of it is i'm not saying that's you know we're ever going to get rid of fucking big brother or what no big brother doesn't i think we did get rid of big brother but yeah, well, like Jeff yeah, or, still, or something still celebrity big brother I yeah think. yeah or yeah jersey shore or the, the real or housewives or somebody or real other. housewives <laughs> real housewives of insert town here yeah <laughs> real uh, housewives of scumthorpe like jolly good <laughs> oh i definitely watch that <laughs> do you guys agree that there's been a change in that kind of narrative around makeover shows and reality tv and if so why do you think that has been the case or why not i think there's definitely a rise in I mean, we can only kind of talk for our immediate surrounds, but there's definitely a rise in society that's more about uh, wellness and being aware of who you are as a person as well. Um, I think, you know, you can just see it in the rise of like yoga and meditation lessons and also apps that are to do with breathing um, and being aware of stress and anxiety and connecting more with nature. I don't know if that's necessarily just kind of my own little sphere because that's very much what I'm into as well. But I think there's definitely a vibe within society at the moment that is more about investing in yourself and taking time for yourself and the importance of uh connecting with yourself as well you know there's a massive rise in in therapy and uh people having a therapist as well it's not just necessarily people seek out therapists because they have some issues that they want to talk through people are actually are getting therapists because they feel it's it's important in their life to uh explore questions and thoughts and so i suppose the new reimagining of Queer Eye definitely reflects that. Uh, and I think that's also a reflection of uh, like the what reason it's been successful. It's interesting that you say that because one of the other big trending shows on Netflix at the moment, like, you know, when you go on and it now says number 10 in the UK or whatever, is Tattoo Fixers. And that is definitely one of those... Um, the freak show element things where you're like, ah, oh, I want to go on and see what messed up tattoo this person has got. Like, mm. so that is still there. But yeah, it's interesting that those two things are now existing side by side. Yeah, they're yeah. Like massive extremes, aren't they? But it's the same. I mean, it's the same kind of thing when you look at things like other forms of reality TV, for example, like skill competitions, where you have things like the Great British Bake Off and the Sewing Bee and Next in Fashion, where all the contestants are like adorable and lovely and like support each other and, and want to help. And it's all about taking part and playing the game and improving our skills and having a bit of fun 
versus like the car crash TV that I consider things like the audition section of X Factor or or whatever, where you like where most people begin watching the X Factor to watch the auditions so that they can laugh at the people who think that they can sing but actually can't and no one had the heart to tell them. I like I you know, like I do think that there's always that dichotomy, but I agree that there's definitely been an attempt an attempt to skew towards more mindfulness. And I mean the cynical part of me is kind of like it's it it might have been born out of well there's money to be made in mindfulness it's the same reason why celebrities open wealth like health and lifestyle side businesses and everyone's sort of jumping on the back of oh mindfulness coloring books were really popular for a apparent reason because apparently everyone actually wants this um but then that's also tapping into like even if it's most well some of it is originally motivated by money like it's tapping into a market that is there like people want it it's entirely possible that people are making it and a lot of these things are being made because people want to help people and it just so happens that there is a market for that a market for people to be helped um and i think that i think that it's no coincidence that in the last in the last 10 years with the rise of um Instagram culture and Twitter and and the 24-hour newsreel um, and the, the different ways that we communicate as, as people are able to look more critically at all of that and at, at what that does to young people, I think that it makes sense that people are then looking at what that is doing to people's minds and then trying to counteract it. But then I think the thing is that Queer Eye is definitely the trailblazer. There is there is not a lot of others that I can think of at the drop of a hat in the same way that I can think of Queer Eye. It's a new form of escapism, I think. And I think for a lot of people, escapism takes the form of um, I'm going to go and watch these people who are worse off than me like we talked like we talked about with tiger king um you know that element of finding people who are in whatever way uh in a worse situation than you are this is much more about your own life and like how things can get better not by not making it seem like other people are worse and it's so achievable as well when you consider both the hosts and the heroes are are unknowns. Like as glamorous and as fantastic as as they are, um, the hosts when they started on Queer Eye, they were relatively like in a global sense relatively unknown. And they talk they you know in the three books that I read by them, they they talked about this. Like they went from working regular reasonably regular jobs you know like experts in their field but still you know they were real people with and and they were people who I mean at least from what I've read so far and from what's been spoken about like they've started from places that aren't privileged that aren't elite that aren't that you know they didn't get a leg up from daddy or they didn't have a famous mummy 
Um, they these are people that have worked hard to become these successful, well-rounded, personable people who are so full of kindness that the changes that they bring to these people are not unachievable. Like, yes, we don't all have a Bobby that's going to come and redo our entire house in one fell swoop. But I wish. I wish. I mean, yeah, definitely. (laughs) But the changes that Bobby makes to a house are not so unachievable. It's not like grand designs or something where he's building them an entire fucking swimming pool in their basement. Like they are, they are things that you can do with a little bit of graft and a little bit of savings and savings. Tangible improvement. Yeah. It's tangible improvement. It's, it's something that you can look at and go, all right, well, I can't do that overnight, but maybe if I put, put aside five pounds a week in a year, I'll be able to redo the living room. That's part of the reason why it's such a, like, such such a success is that it's so much more attainable and achievable i think as well like something you said there about you know joe blogs from buttfuck town nowhere kind of thing what's what's from scunthorpe from scunthorpe um if you are from scunthorpe and you're listening we're not shitting on your town it's just a really (laughs) fun word to say but what's interesting about that as well is another difference between the original show and the one we have now, which I think is more popular. I think this, the re- the reboot, the retelling has proven to be much, much popular, much more popular, much have much more of an impact. Um, and they chose to move the show out of um, New York, you know, um, a, a fairly, a liberal artistic multicultural city that i mean the epitome of really isn't it yeah yeah exactly it's the epitome of culture exactly it's 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 got so much that you know you've got broadway you've got guggenheim you've got all of these i mean moma like like you could go on and on listing stuff about new york but then they've chosen to move out and they've they've been to georgia they've been to um is it uh the most recent series oh, oh i'm really bad the most most recent yeah. one is philadelphia, philadelphia yes, sure. because yeah. the founding fathers um, like you say they're moving it around country to places that are not new york yeah and they're and they're reaching out to people who uh who are just the people you see on the street they're not these people living in this metropolis they're not people who are used to these are definitely not all people who are used to working with openly gay people in any aspect they're bringing it into these communities that haven't had it before i think that's a massive part of why it is so impactful and so successful because they're not going this is only for new yorkers this is only for people who already have money style you know access the first season and the second season because they were filmed both were films like back in one back. block, weren't they? And they, mm. yeah, and then they split it into two. But like the first and second seasons, have, they're almost soft peddling a lot of these values in to the audience. Like mm. I know they, they, much more so than in season five, which came out earlier this year, I think. And there's a definite difference in the series because, like you say, Karamo's finding his feet with this entirely new aspect. Jonathan as well. I what one thing I find really interesting is the fact that in the um like the idents the bits in between the of them just like dancing around in between the shots, Jonathan's in a suit. Mm. Jonathan never wears a fucking suit. Yeah. Like that's not that's not his thing. They've they've very 
Jonathan's narrative in the first couple of seasons is quite different. Not even his narrative, but the presentation of him. Whereas later, he's like, yeah, they put him, like, no, they don't put him in. He wears, um, he'll wear they a skirt, have more he'll wear heels. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it was almost like that first couple of seasons, which is fairly standard, I think, for every TV show. But like, they were proving that this was a legitimate thing to do. Mm. And I think now that they've done that, I think it's really interesting to look back over the whole five series and be like, oh, that not only have these people changed and evolved, but these the the people presenting it have also have also changed and evolved. But I really like I think that that's really a good point. And I think especially with JVN, um like they talk it makes sense to me that and they talk they all talk about it in the book, like the, the way that they originally envisaged during the reboot was much closer to the original. Um and it makes sense to me, like, of course, that that is what they want to do. They want to bring it into a into a millennial mindset, but they, you know, they have a format, it works. And I think that I have massive respect for both the hosts and the producers of the show that they recognised after the release of the first season, they recognised the qualities that actually made it popular, which is the 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 warmth and the unique skills and the diversity of the cast, um, which includes, you know, like you say, uh, JVN's personal identity and the way that he expresses himself as, uh, or themselves, I should say. I'm non-binary, he, she, they. So he's okay, so who you fine with all of them? Any, with any of pronoun. Okay, great. I wanted to make that point, like, I wanted to bring that up that um his his non-binary identification because um yeah like I really respect that they recognize the 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 impact that the cast the diverse cast that they chose and have and it really does seem like they did and they were able to bring a lot more of their personality into the later seasons which is true of a lot of TV shows um even scripted ones where you know actors are able to shape the the roles that they play but it's not always true and I always think that it's the sign of a good and well-made production which I I think yeah yeah which I think is why one of the reasons why this is so successful that is a really big that is a really big part of it the the evolution of the hosts as you said Sam which is a really good turn of phrase and I think the the diversity, which we sort of we've mentioned a few times, but I I do I want to mm. hone in on it for a bit, like the diverseness of it, just like yeah, just to celebrate it really, like because it's not just diverse. I don't mean just diverse in terms of um right. racially race or, and ethnicity, yeah. but also it's diverse in terms of um gender and on the queer spectrum. Like it's very much queer queer eye like I think the original queer eye for the straight guy was but gay men yeah yeah it was really it was really focused on gay versus straight and it's like they say in the very first episode sorry just to jump in here but they they, they make that they just have that line in the first episode which like I said I watched again earlier where they say the original show was fighting for tolerance we are fighting for acceptance and I think Mm -hmm. that's really important line but yeah please carry on so it's evolution um, of society as well and evolution of what you know where we're going to yeah and i think like there is a lot of a diversity in gender and sexuality pre- um presenting among the hosts and among the heroes and we've talked about 
um, Jonathan and his uh, coming out as non-binary or identification as non-binary. I think he did form, like I did, I think he did refer to it as coming out at one point. Um, otherwise I wouldn't have jumped to that term. And there is... Um, Anthony is not... Anthony does not define... <laughs> I, I was going to say, Anthony... Uh, so I I bought I bought this book. <laughs> I bought the Queer Eye book. Oh, I've the um, one I haven't read. <laughs> yes, you can borrow it. There you go. Um, but in Anthony's section, he talks a lot. He doesn't. I get like you say. He doesn't define. Um, and I think what he says is that it it his sexuality is fluid. He talks mm-hmm. about how he's had a lot of the most meaningful relationships with women. Um, but he's currently uh, in love with and in a relationship with a man. So he is not. I love <laughs> died in the war game. Like he is, yeah. You know, he's 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 fluid. He's he's queer because he's not heterosexual. He defines himself as queer, but he's not. Yeah, it's not a binary. Like it's not mm. queer. It's not gay versus straight, and it's not black versus white, and it's not. Mm. It is there is a spectrum. My question is, and this just came to me as we were talking about the the queerness of queer eye. So obviously, um, back in the original show, the word queer was um, legally you weren't allowed to use the word queer in New York. They had to push and fight and battle to to actually be able to use that in the in the title of their show. Um, but do you think for the reboot, it should have been more gender inclusive? So obviously. JVN, as we said, is is non-binary. The others, I'm fairly sure from what they have said, well, basically they haven't said that they don't identify as cis men, so I assume that they identify as cis men, which maybe is a massive presumption on my part. But do you think there should have been other genders included in the in the hosting cast? Um, I think if there's another reboot there 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 may be um i think like we said they were the producers seemed very keen to kind of almost completely replace and redo the original so that wasn't necessary yeah so that wasn't necessarily part of their thinking um so i think what jonathan did is he planted that seed and they've all gone on their evolution journey and also as a society like even from 3 years ago we're so much more aware about um gender and sexuality and you know everything so i think if there's another reboot i think there potentially would be i think that the idea was to uncannily echo the first iteration so you're looking at something that looks almost the same but there's something else like there's something different about it and i think they could have chosen they could have chosen to do it with um five women or uh, a, a mix or whatever but i think that i liked i think that they chose to subvert it subvert the original show in different ways um and i don't think that not including a woman harmed that and i also think it's it's fair to look at things like queer eye in japan um yeah which does you know which does include she's not you know she's not one of the fab five but she's she's a big part of of the narrative 
they have and a local celebrity a, host, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like that decision felt very organic that it didn't feel like that they were choosing her to choose a woman. It just felt like they chose the right person for the job. And I think that, God, I sound like a fucking HR twat. Um, but like, <laughs> well, well, I am. So there you go. Um, no, I think, I think it's a really important thing to acknowledge that they had the option to choose women um, or female presenting or, yeah, no, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think that the chemistry that the five of them have is palpable, and I think that's part of what makes the show work. But maybe let's talk about that after we've had a little break. A little wee! Maybe a wee! And maybe have a wee! <laughs> maybe have a wee! Um, and topped up our glasses. Um, but, yeah. Good. In a bit, that was a sh- shitty <laughs> sign-off. But we're going to have a little break now. Have a wee. Bye. See you in a bit. <laughs> and we are back from our break maybe had a wee and uh, <laughs> we're going to talk some more about queer eye um so i think one thing that i'd like to hear from both of you is we we've all discussed how much we love this show we are fairly obsessed with it but what what is it that you like about it what is it that makes you love it so much i love kindness i think it's so rare to watch a tv show these days that doesn't have some kind of judgment or artificial maliciousness in some way or another or bitchiness or anything and i mean i'm talking mostly about fiction but i think the world the news is always so bad the you, it's hard to tell whether politics is about issues or about how stupid someone's hair looks. And <laughs> yeah. so much of other TV shows is like angst and drama. And I think especially especially with Netflix, there's a lot of like, I really want to watch that new Netflix episode, but am I prepared to watch an hour of feeling sad and terrible about everything forever? Also try and figure out how all these people know each other. Like there's a lot of investment in a lot of TV shows. And what I appreciate so much about Queer Eye is that it is, it is kind and there is no, there is no judgment. It's it's a little bit what I was saying earlier about like the, the change comes from within and they, they focus on the person that they are, that they are working with. But like, there is no, even when they are sort of saying like, Oh, you, honey, you can't wear that. Like they, everything that they approach is with love and acceptance. And, and you get the real sense that if someone said, look, I just don't want to do this, then they wouldn't. Hmm. And, I think that the world could do with more kindness. And I feel like Queer Eye realised that and was beamed down to us from on high. Yeah, I think you've touched on something in terms of we believe them. Um, Because like we said earlier, I think they stand for everything that the show represents or what it has evolved to become. Um, It's empowering for the heroes and for the Fab Five, it's empowering for audiences and, like, you know, in that turn, inspirational. Um, and it brings joy and beauty and it's heartwarming. Just all the nice words, basically, all the nice adjectives to describe something and a person. 
uh, is all packaged into this show. I think, I think, yeah, you're both. What you said is is true. Like it's it's a nice show, and that like nice is always the adjective that they tell you not to use. But it's it's positive. It's upbeat. It's inclusive. It's a show that. Yes, you might sob like a fucking baby for however much of it, but you come away feeling good and you... (sighs) I think it's the fact that you see these men and people who have been through a very hard time. They Obviously, in the show, they don't really go into as much of their history as they do in in books and so on and you know but you see these people who have have been through the fucking ringer and they're there because their main aim and what they want to do is they want to make people feel better and to feel happier and it's really fucking pure it's so Um, pure pure. good word yeah um and that's not to say there's not some production to it and i think i'm what i'm so I want to talk about that in a bit, but it's it's a show with a heart, and I love it for the same reason that I love RuPaul's Drag Race, which is that you have people, you have marginalised people being celebrated for what they are good at, and there's a big part. That's of that. great, but yeah, it's not like you're not sobbing out of heartbreak or um, grief. But you are, it's, it's sobbing out of like this kind of healing joy. And it is, it's cathartic. Yeah. Catharsis is a very important, you know, it's one of the oldest yeah. parts of entertainment that there is a reason to it. And I think that it's, it's a very cathartic. It's a 4,000 year old tradition. <laughs> yeah. But it's cathartic in such a positive and wonderful way um, that. I think that that's really, really important because I think that it taps into emotions that you're not always sure that you're allowed to show. Like, it's very trendy to be cynical. It's very trendy to be hard and and, and, and glass half empty. And I think Twitter's one of, you know, a prime example of that. And I think that you don't always get to just enjoy good things for people that you don't necessarily know it also helps that they're all wildly attractive oh my god karamo is improbably good looking he is so oh my god he's the most beautiful yeah, man i have ever seen I but karamo is sculpted tan. that man oh. i could look at tan's face all day i'm fascinated by it i just i love him I did it just hair. It's amazing. They are. I can't believe so he's from Yorkshire. Good. He's from fucking Doncaster. <laughs> Bizarre. Dunk- he's got the most. Dunk-a. No, but he's got the most beautiful accent ever. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Way to alienate our Doncaster listeners there. They're just so good looking. And like, and like yeah. good personalities as well. It shines through. It's that role dark. I am. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, if you have beautiful yeah, you thoughts. Be Who is your favourite? Because there are five of them. They're all great, but I think everyone has a low-key fave. I, lo- I absolutely love them all, but for me, it's got to be Bobby. Because Bobby is this 
like he does all the work he's described in like in the book they talk about how they identify as being a family karamo's the dad bobby's the make sure everyone's okay mum um uh then they say that tan is the oldest child anthony is the eager to please middle child and jvn is the baby but i just fucking love bobby so much he's so sincere and so easygoing i just love him i'm with you there i it's for me it's a toss-up between bobby and tan for very different reasons like i love bobby for all the reasons that you just said also he's so underappreciated he looks great like his eyeliner is excellent oh my I love god him. his eyeliner he's, game is strong he's a little emo baby and i love him and he does all the work and I, I really identify with doing all the work in the background and not getting a lot of attention for it. And then Tan is my favourite for just inexplicable reasons. Just personality, style, sass. The fact that he's British probably is a big part of it. Um, Sam, stop showing me Bobby's sexy eyeliner eyes. It's so sexy! Is that actually so... Bobby? Bobby's That's mental. Baby. He looks so different. He, I think, I think I ad- identify a lot with him because there is a lot of there is a lot of tan commentary that is around how he's so like reserved or he doesn't like give as much or he's not as warm and um or he see I feel like, like that about Anthony. He has stand like he has these weird standards or whatever, but like I identify that with Tan because I, you know, like these are all things that have been I've been accused of, and I, 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 having read Tan's memoir as well, and I just think that he's great and sassy and great. I appreciate what you mean about Anthony, but um, I personally don't see it. I think I'm going to say Tan, Tan asterisk Bobby. How about you, Alexandra? Oh, I've gone kind of like... I've been asked to pick your favourite child. Yeah, I just... I've gone like weirdly full journey with this. So when it first started, I found Jonathan a little bit too forced. I found him quite... It or felt fake. Yeah, it felt very kind of in the box. Uh, I suppose having been watching Drag Race for a really long time, there's these kind of ways in which uh, the queer community can portray themselves that um, is sometimes a barrier or comfort blanket. And I very much saw that with Jonathan. And... Mm. I didn't really get on board with him straight away. And so Anthony and Caramo really spoke to me because I love cooking. I love food. I'm all about that kind of um, holistic nature of food as well and cooking with people and uh, experimenting. So Anthony really spoke to me in terms of that, not necessarily his personality, but in terms of what he represented and then uh, Karamo really spoke to me because if I had to put myself into one of their roles, I would feel most comfortable maybe doing that role um, and more like that's what would really speak to me 
as uh, something that I would love to do. Anthony and Karamo really spoke to me early on. And the ones that throughout the kind of series and series is, I've been like, yeah, they're, they're my people. But I now feel like I've gone on a journey with Jonathan and actually I admire him the most because whether he knew about his uh, being non-binary um, very early on and just didn't feel comfortable enough to show it or is suddenly discovering that side of himself, I just so admire who he portrays now. And, um, you know, even down to Sam, you were talking about he was in a suit and now he's in a skirt. And just also like being so confident and comfortable in his body that he wears like belly tops, but then talks about how, you know, sometimes he feels uncomfortable about his stomach. But yet he's like, sod it. I'm on TV. Look at me in all my glory. I, I think therefore he is now and will be my favorite. So how do you think, given that we've, all we could wax lyrical this this entire episode could just be us going oh my god I love it so much we love this show but do you think there are ways that it can be improved from what it is now I'm sure that there are ways that it can be improved I think that we've talked about um the the women representation adding new hosts guest hosts might be fun um but nothing immediately springs to mind. And I know that things have sprung to mind before, but right now, two-thirds of a bottle of wine in, full of warm queer eye glow, like I just, I'm not feeling it. I have no criticisms immediately. <laughs> Definitely not all the time, but I do think sometimes there is a little bit too much focus on the hero and the individual changing things that they actually don't need to change because it's more about communication with the family and actually it's not necessarily the hero's problem it's the family's problem but I do think most of the time that that's addressed and that that's not the point of the show so I understand that um also I think and I appreciate the limitations of the, the shops that they can film in but I've I've noticed more and more product placementy stuff that I I don't love. Like I appreciate why they're doing it, but I think that a little bit of muscle could probably get them a few more independent shops. I think mine's not necessarily a criticism. It's more like an add-on. Um, so when they're doing the oh let's see how they got on kind of section when they're back in their Mm. new york hub it's very much apparent that it's uh like two seconds after they left or whatever um so i would just love some kind of check-ins or some interviews that are later on down the line to see if they're still implementing Mm. those skills that they've given them that's a Um, really good point yeah yeah so uh, that's what i'd like yeah, yeah. Updates. Yeah, yeah. And actually that's a good point. That's something that I thought a lot about before and just forgot about. Yeah, on that note, I think there's obviously it's a TV show. There's an element of production, there's an element of uh a certain presentation or whatever. But I think it's 
the the storyline that you're given, and I don't think it's a disingenuous presentation, but you are given the idea that these people who come into these heroes' lives are then their friends. There's a connection. There's a you know that it's not just boom, bam, bam. We did a TV show and we're out. Um, and this is something they, they they mention in the book as well. They say like, oh, Karamo, or no, sorry, uh, Tam will get a message about whether to buy these skinny jeans or Bobby gets a thing in the middle of the night about whether to move this sofa. Like, I think those are actual, pretty much actual quotes from the book. But I don't believe genuinely, and I don't think it's fair to believe that these people then become a part of this person's life. But like, We've had, what, 40 episodes maybe so far? Something like that. No one has the emotional capacity to just take on 40 strangers' problems and to be able to advise them all the time. Number one, that's one thing. Another thing is that the guy in the first episode, Tom Jackson, um, much of the episode was based around his wanting to reconnect with his ex-wife, Tammy, I think her name was. Um and he put out many, many calls on social media for the Fab Five to to be a part of his wedding. It, like they, they, he reconnected with this woman. They decided to get remarried, and and did he put out these very public calls to be like, I'd love it if they could come, or I'd love it if they could do something, but they didn't. So it's I'm not saying that they should have. What I'm saying is that this narrative of their always going to be there oh my god I love you aren't you great I, I I believe it's true I believe they care about these people but it, there, there seems to be a temporary nature to it and I think mm. sometimes that's there's a bit of a clash yeah um if you understand what I mean like I, I don't believe I, do. I, I absolutely don't believe that they should be emotionally available to these people because how can you do your job you can't like you can't you have to have a degree of separation but if you want the storyline to be, as it is in the book that I read today, <laughs> that it goes beyond that, you have to be able to back that up. And I haven't yeah. seen that. I've seen it to an extent, but not not as much as I would have thought. And like I, I I've seen them follow up with people, but like I I appreciate what you mean because you see in every episode, the hero says something along the lines of, I don't feel like I've just meant five gay men. I feel like I've made, I've made five, five friends. friends. And great, good for you. But, like, I appreciate, you know, it doesn't always carry on. But then I also think about the amount of times that I've, like, made busy chems with someone in the bathroom because they've solved my problem like and I do feel like there's a little bit of that like you make very intense flash in the pan friends and that I feel like I've always felt like those emotions are genuine in those weeks but the follow-through after that maybe fades away it makes you wonder like I appreciate that the hosts may not feel that way but it makes you wonder whether the heroes understand that relationship. It kind of comes back to what you guys were saying about like the queer eye revisited idea where there almost needs to be some kind of aftercare in place for these people. There needs to be 
a post show something and whether that is something that happens or not I don't know because it's never discussed on the show but it's you can't just come into someone's life I feel you can't just come into someone's life shake it up in ways that they do in a lot of a lot of the stories not all of them um and then just fuck off again Mm. that that there has to be a con continuing narrative I think for that to be beneficial for the person and also to be um emotionally satisfying for us as a viewer mm. and like you say them just sitting around being like oh I made guacamole for Tom and then just watching him <laughs> meet up with somebody you know it's, it's, yeah, it's not it's not enough no um so that's that's one area that I think it could improve in another one that I just wanted to bring up very very quickly is um there's a phrase that Tan uses that makes me a little bit cross, which is when he talks about um, people improving the way they present themselves in terms of, you know, basically dressing better. Um, And he makes it, the way that it's framed is that he makes it not about the person, but he makes it about their partner. And he says things like, oh, well, what would you think if your wife didn't make an effort? Or what would you think about this? Or, you know, you should do this for your wife. You should do this for this person. And every time I hear that, that makes me like, oh, that makes me a bit angry Mm. because I'm like, this entire show is not about a third party. This is about the person that you're working with. And I understand that the, the motivation of, um, you're with this person, you should make an effort for this person. It's a mark of respect. I absolutely get that. What I don't like is this implication of, if you don't dress well, your partner will leave you, which is kind of what he gets at sometimes. And that's one thing that fucks me off. Yeah, and I I definitely don't think that that's that's what he means, like having read the memoir and everything. I definitely don't think that's what he means. But like, no, I, I I also appreciate like, I appreciate obviously how that reads. And I think that like, I think that he definitely does hold himself to a more external standard than a lot of other people and therefore holds other people to a more external standard based on a lot of things. Um, And I, I understand that if he's talking to someone who said, who has outlined to him in a scene that we haven't seen, I want to dress nice for my wife because she's embarrassed by me. Then if he says, well, how do your, does your wife feel about dress that? You. Obviously, like, obviously that that's the conversation that he's having, but we don't often see that context. And it goes a little bit into the production and the framing of it. But I also, I've, I've noticed that as well because as a tan stan like <laughs> it's it's the one thing that maybe i f- i find actually problematic and again i don't believe that it's intentional to be like you have to define your your worth by the way that other people view you but i agree i i do think that, that is that is phrasing that needs to be examined for sure Having said all of that, I think that this is a show from which everyone can learn certain things. You know, you can pick up, like Kim, you said about um, high-waisted bikinis and all that kind of thing. Um, Do you feel like there's 
any sort of message or lesson that you have picked up from watching this show? More than I could articulate, I think. Alex, you go. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily anything I've learned in terms of like uh, fashion choices and things like that. Maybe there is, and I just I haven't picked up on it. Um, I think the reason that I chose Jonathan as like my favorite uh, Fab Five member is because. I follow a lot of people on Instagram. I follow a lot of people that I probably shouldn't do because it makes me judge myself and look at myself in a certain way that isn't favourable, as many of us probably do. Whereas following him or them has or she. made me, or she, uh, in in all the non-binary terms and pronouns, um, has made me accept myself slightly more and not be like ridiculously paranoid about walking out of the house in a crop top and thinking that my belly might hang out or whatever that might be. And so I think that's the most valuable lesson of all is self-acceptance. And uh, well, you said self acceptance is not a good word as you said sam actually self-embracing and knowing that all of me is a good thing i think it just ranges doesn't it from the the ridiculous to the sublime like you've got the the very basic i have learned that wearing a long cardigan over a shorter top hides my <laughs> tummy or that if I put my moisturiser on in dot, dot, dot to the bits of my face and then rub it in with my fingers, then it's more effective. To the general the general tone of the show and having read the memoirs and having engaged with the hosts on social media, like the just a general feeling of acceptance appreciation respect for others respect for other cultures respect for other ethnicities understanding of what non-binary even means understanding of of queerness of gayness of what seasoning to put on your salad like there is so <laughs> there is so much and it's so so varied and i think that that's why i think that it's such a brilliant show because it does what you hope pop culture will do, but it's all condensed into one show, which is that pop culture teaches behaviours and teaches knowledge. For example, I'm pretty sure I learned the Heimlich manoeuvre from The Simpsons. And I think that Queer Eye is a perfect example of a show that teaches you things without you re even realising that it's teaching you things because it's teaching people compassion, understanding... And yeah, exactly. It's teaching people compassion, understanding, and actual physical, practical knowledge about, like, you know, like separating your whites from your darks. Again, right. no one, we, um, <laughs> no one, no one teaches you how, or at least you don't actively remember necessarily being taught how to do certain things. 
but you learn how to do them. And as much as you learn that from your family and your friends, you also learn it from pop culture because it's the butt of a joke. You separate your colours from your whites because otherwise it turns all your socks pink. Like, that's that's a knowledge that you rarely learn firsthand, but you actually learn through pop culture. Mm. Queer Eye is a distilled version of that. I love Queer Eye. I love them so much. Um, Sam, what about you? Um, yeah, again, like you say, it's, I find it quite hard to distill down to a single point. But I think what Queer Eye does well, and I think this is also part of the reason that it makes it what it is and why it has been so popular, is that it normalises the fact that it's okay to not be okay. I think the the one of the biggest lessons from it um is that it you you don't have to be special to feel special mm. maybe i don't fucking know i'm trying no no i think that's a really good point <laughs> like you don't have to have been like curing cancer you're not hand picked by gods you know yeah like you're just a person you're just a person and you can still be a person and all the little things that you're doing are still incredible and appreciated and valued mm. exactly but i think it's a great show as i think we would so that brings us to the end of the episode tonight but before we go we have to rate our wine and Let's break Queer Eye as well, because I know we're all going to give it a fucking high rating, but why not? It's our show. We do what we want. <laughs> so, um, Alex, I'm going to come to you first with your eye bottle. What was it called again? My eye bottle was called uh, Pinot Riot, uh, No Future. So the Pinot Riot, I think... Ah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.5. It's fine. Okay. It's m- mediocre. I'm not a red wine drinker. And it's not a red wine that I would run out and buy again. It was £6 reduced in Sainsbury's from like nine fifty or something like that. I wouldn't pay nine fifty for it. Fair. And how about yours then? Your Blossom... No, not Blossom Hill. Barefoot, the other one. <laughs> my Barefoot Shiraz, which, much like my definition Shiraz last week, has left me slightly slurry and a little bit fun. Not as bad as last week. Not no. as bad as last week. <laughs> it's been perfectly fine and nice and lovely. It's a... You know, like, Barefoot definitely set out to be affordable, easy-drinking wine with no frills. Like, that's very much their mission. And they they really achieve it. Um, it tastes like a Shiraz, so I'll give them that. Like, it's, it's not so indistinguishable to have been, like, a red, uh, which I've <laughs> definitely had some of those. Like, it's definitely a Shiraz, and it's, it's distinguishable from the Barefoot Malbec that I've had before. So I'm going to give it a three, because I think that it, is a it, it's a solid version of a Shiraz for what seven pounds or something that I paid for it, like not very much money at all. Um, it's it's worth the money that you'd pay. It's a perfectly good 
supermarket wine. And I've, I'm pleased that my money goes to a company that supports LGBTQ issues, and I just knocked it off my glass. <laughs> Three out of five. Two point five for Alex, and I'm going to give the Graham Norton Pink by Design. Um, I'm going to go three point five because it's a good Ooh. rose. It's not. It's you know, it's it's a solid. It's a solid rose. It's better than average. It's also surprisingly good because you know when you see it, I feel like a celebrity endorsement thing is is a it's a marketing ploy isn't it at the end of the day so you just kind of go oh well you don't really know how good the product is it's but it's got a name to it but this is actually this is actually decent rosé it's not too sweet not too dry it's good so three by five yes and finally queer eye what are we going to give that out of Five grapes because we've all watched it, we all love it. Where are we gonna go? Five grapes, five grapes. You know what? Like, I don't do five very often, and I'm sure you know, like, I've explored my criticisms of Queer Eye on this show, but the fact of the matter is that I love it and I want more of it all the time, forever, and I have very little (laughs) negative to say about it, and I hope that it continues in perpetuity. So, five, 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 five. Um, I wish that there could be a 4.75, because... (laughs) No! I know, I know, because, like, I I feel like the, the points that I said about checking in later on... I really feel quite strongly about, but yet I love it so much. Um, so I'm going to have it, I, I'm going to have to give it a 4.5 because I do love it. It will be my kind of, if I logged into Netflix and saw that there was a new episode, it would be definitely the first thing I watch rather than scrolling through. Um, but also, it would be nice to know that their amazing work lives on and we don't yet know that. So 4.5. So a 5, a very strong rating from Kim, a 4.5 from Alex, and I'm going to second you, Alex, 4.5. I think it has the potential to be even better, but it's not It's not much of a potential. It's fucking great. <laughs> um and it's it's something that i whenever a new series comes out i set aside time to watch because i'm like no this is this needs my attention this is not Mm. a put it on in the background while you do other stuff series this demands to be watched it's it's great 4.5 high praise indeed great culture seal of approval so if you haven't watched queer eye but you're listening to us, why the fuck not? <laughs> Seriously, how have you found us but not Queer Eye? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know. And if you have done, if that is the way it's gone, please let us know on social media or email because we'd love to know how this happened. We are on yeah, email. <laughs> We're on email, grapeculturepodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at grapeculturepod. We're on Instagram at grapeculturepodcast. Or you can go to our website and get in touch with us there. It's grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. 
And so we're bringing our show to a close tonight. But thank you for listening. If you're listening on an Apple device, please don't forget to give us a rating out of five. Uh, unfortunately, on Apple, it's stars, not grapes. So, you know, sad. But but we'll deal with it. So please give us a rating. Maybe leave us a review because we'd love to know what you think. And we'll be back in two weeks' time with a brand new episode. And you're going to have to come back in two weeks to find out what it is. It's all very exciting. <laughs> But thank you for listening and have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.